Exceeding Expectations, episode 73. Do you do much in the way of video promotion, video creation, video marketing? We have a specialist this week, Joel Ong, who specializes in those areas. And we even touch upon a little bit of psychology and philosophy. That's this week's episode with Joel Ong. Exceeding Expectations is the podcast where we aim to give you more ideas on how you can give your customers a better experience which results in you getting more referrals, testimonials and so you end up spending less money on marketing and advertising but you also enjoy your work more and you enjoy the clients you're working with more. Do leave a review for us on iTunes, maybe subscribe and why not share the episode with someone who you think think will get some good benefit from it. Here's this week's episode. Exceeding expectations, my guest today is Joel Ong. How are you, Joel? How are you doing? I'm great, I'm great. And Joel, you're based in Singapore. Yeah, that's right. Which is, we, I mean, we just were talking about weather and and, yeah. and the weather there is far, far better than what we're experiencing here, here in London. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the weather, uh, for people who don't know and haven't visited Singapore, um, it's based in Southeast Asia. Um, essentially, we are a tiny dot on the world map. So um, it's not like a, a, a very big island by any means. Um, you could get from one end to the other in, in about an hour. So um, that's why it's really convenient. Um, it's always summer all year round. There's mm. tons of rain. And I think the biggest downside would be the humidity. So yeah. um, that's something that um, you might not get used to when you come here. But it's a, like mm. a buzzing metropolitan city. Uh, there's tons of stuff, there's tons of food. Like um, it's, it's a melting pot of everything really. Um, so mm. I can't quite pinpoint exactly what the culture is. Um, but mm. it's a it's an amalgamation of every single thing together. So mm. that's what makes it like um, special. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned maybe the biggest problem is the humidity. I actually didn't think. Well, for me personally, it wasn't the humidity that was the biggest problem. It was the all of the shopping centres. The air conditioning was so cold that you'd be outside and it's really hot, and then you go inside and it's really cold, and it just ah oh, yeah that was yeah the worst part for yeah. Me. Uh, it still happens today um, and even especially in the corporate bu- uh, buildings. So people who are mm-hmm. working in the corporate banking sector especially, you know, they often mm-hmm. have to um, wear a jacket and then when they leave mm-hmm. the exit, they have to take it off and you can often mm-hmm. catch a cold quite easily that way. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, Joe, so, so tell us about what it is that you do. What, what, work, what work is it that you do? Um, so essentially, I help business owners to mm-hmm. understand the language and the power of video. So um, one of the big reasons is because everybody nowadays can shoot and film a video um, on our mobile phones very easily. So, and you can go onto YouTube and anywhere else. There's widely free open resources, guys. You can, you know, pay for courses to learn pretty quickly on, you know, how to um, shoot and edit a video. Um, so the main difference here is uh, really understanding the psychology behind it and how to leverage it as a medium as a tool Um, not just for YouTube where creators are doing it for entertainment purposes but really how can you put it into a business format where it improves the experience between you and your customer or between you and your team 
and it helps you to build better relationships with them so that you can mm. unlock uh, more potential in your current process or your business model. Mm. And so how did you get into to doing that? Oh, um, I, I stumbled into it actually. Um, so I started out in the uh, fashion photography space, um, mm. uh, particularly doing portraiture um, mm. about five years ago. And I was doing it as a freelancer because uh, I wanted to travel and I was very young. I was um, 17, I'm like 23 now. Um, mm. And back then, you know, um, I wasn't able to afford being able to travel on my own. So I mm. wanted to figure out, is there a way for me to uh, fund my own expenses while I was able to travel and meet new people, uh, new experiences, cultures, learn different languages? Um, mm. So that segue into that and then eventually I found that, hey, um, vid- videography or videos is a series of images combined together. And mm. I was able to marry uh, my love for speaking to people and mm. understanding um, what makes them tick, what makes them special, the, the essence mm. of each person, and then be able to capture that on some platform or a medium that you can preserve forever. And mm. people all around the world can see it at their own pace at the same time. Mm. And so that's where I really started to understand like, hey, you know, um, I wanted to find a bigger impact beyond just making pretty photos, making pretty videos and, uh, you know, getting all the likes and followings on Instagram. And I asked mm. myself, what is the um, biggest vehicles on the planet today that has brought about the biggest change? Like if you look at mm. Apple, you look at Google, you look at um, Samsung or even you know Huawei, um, they change the world because they are fundamentally business vehicles, they are, they are corporations. Um, so mm. I really started to see businesses in a different light. Previously, I was extremely skeptical. I was like, ah, you know, businesses are out there for profit, you know, uh, mean grabbing machines, money grabbing machines, you know. Um, mm. And, and I, did, I, I didn't quite take a liking to them. But when I started to speak to more business owners and really understand why they started what they do, um, especially mm. founders, um, and, and why they love their jobs. Uh, a lot of times they started out being wanting to uh, make a difference, make a change. Um, they, they saw a certain problem there that they can solve, and they saw a group of people that they can help. So, mm. uh, and I see this a big problem because you know, 97% of businesses fail in the next 10 years. And um, it is sad, this statistic, because uh, it's not just the business that fails, and the team that relies on the business for income as their employees, but also all the customers that depend on that business to solve a problem that they have. So I was like thinking to myself, how can I help businesses to, um, to be able to better survive and also um, allow their customers to better understand them? Um, because people only deal with people they trust. So... And oftentimes when a business gets too big or the business owner gets too busy running the show, um, you lose that sense of personal touch. You lose the sense mm. of the, the storytelling element of it, um, which really makes a customer sticky or really makes a business sticky. You have that what mm. we call like taste there where um, people buy a feeling that they associate when they purchase a product or a service. They're not mm. actually really buying the thing itself anymore. Um, there's a certain association or connotation there. So uh, I really started to dive into, you know, what makes that, what makes up that thing for different businesses and how can I better bring that out from uh, each business owner, each, uh, each founder, uh, each entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so where did that take you then? Um, it took me around the world, actually. <laughs> so um, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, I loved hotels. I loved the hospitality industry. So um, I was helping, uh, you know, a bunch of resorts as well as places that I was traveling to to be able to uh, better ex- highlight the experience that I had as mm. a visitor to their place. Beyond mm. just your cookie-cutter stuff you see online where, oh yeah, it looks pretty, it looks fancy, it's a nice beach. You know, um, mm. I wanted to showcase the staff, the experiences, you know, the, the, the small bits and minutiae of detail that um, mm. would allow someone to uh, remember the place and then be such a raving fan that they would share it with their friends. So mm. that became a tool that people could take and then share it around so that people could understand what they were talking about. Because oftentimes when you hear stories, you tend to try and imagine what it's like. Um, you don't mm. actually get to see it. So uh, that was one of the problems that a lot of them have. Um, mm. and, and you lose it forever if you don't capture it down. So um, it is a, it's an entirely different way of thinking about um, at least videos, but it's not just videos. Um, video is just the best medium to communicate an experience. Um, really, it's, it's more about the experience. And the way I think about experience, that has taken me to this insight. Um, experience comes from various things. It comes from the five senses. And this is something I learned when I took up uh, method acting and theater from my uh, acting teacher who studied in the LA school, which you know trained a lot of the uh, actors and actresses from Hollywood. Um, mm. And then he came back to Asia to teach. He, he said that, you know, everything you remember, all your memories is encapsulated in your five senses. So you can tell a very good story or a very good memory you have if you explain to someone in terms of the five senses, what you see, what you smell, what you touch, taste and hear. Um, mm. So that's what makes up our memory. But then I asked myself, like, okay, imagine if you have two people who walk into an art exhibition and they see the same painting. Suppose I say it's abstract. It's an abstract painting. Um, one person feels that that painting is amazing. It's the most beautiful thing ever and decides that, hey, the painting is worth what its price point is. Let's say, for example, a million bucks. Um, and the person decides to buy it. The other person who comes in at the exact same time sees the exact same thing has the exact same memory, um, the exact same location, painting, everything is a constant, but doesn't see the value in that painting. So mm. I asked myself, like, okay, so if the five senses is one of the building blocks of an experience, why is it that one person has a bad experience and the other person doesn't? And the next part of the answer comes from the interpretation of that experience. It comes from the perception of it. And that's where, you know, stuff that you learn about in psychology, stuff you learn about in storytelling comes from because that forms the interpretation. Like uh, Tony Robbins talks about how, you know, uh, we interpret what, we, what happens in our life events in a certain manner that creates a certain mm-hmm. feeling or emotion in us that force, causes us to either remember them as traumatic memories or as empowering ones that, you know, serve us and propel us forward. Um, an empowering vision. So that really forms the core tenets of what I've experienced and um, you know what I share around with people today, which is if you want to create a very good experience, you need to remember the two building blocks. You need to remember what story are you trying to tell them, the interpretation, and you need to communicate that memory in terms of the five senses. So this will be the two things that make up experience for me.
So when so the clients that you work with, um, when they well, so I'm wondering. So there's two things there. One that they come to you because they hear that you have a very different approach to things, or if you're speaking with a potential client and then you explain what you can do for them, do they understand it straight away, or does it take quite a bit of explanation? Um, it it takes quite a bit of explanation. Um, I mean, they frequently misunderstand it. Um, primarily because uh, there are a lot of people doing videos out there. Uh, there are mm. a lot of creatives out there. So um, it's extremely competitive industry um, and it's gotten pretty ingrained in my opinion where um, it's funny, like sometimes I would say, I'll tell, they will ask me, you know, the first conversation started a question, oh, so what do you do, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the really plain Jane kind of cookie kind of question, right? What do you do? And I say, oh, you know, I do videos and I don't elaborate further. And the, the common responses I get are like, oh, so you are a YouTuber? Um, you know, so th- there's, there is a common misperception there where, you know, videos equals to YouTube, um, mm. but not necessarily in the business context. So, mm. um, because the, 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 the problem with um, using, thinking about videos as just YouTube, or you want to do it to run ads on Facebook, is that um, that form of thinking isn't necessarily bad. It just limits the scope in which you can use this tool um, and how you think about it, it limits the ability for you to use that in various ways in your business. Um, because you start seeing it as a tool for entertainment or uh, mainstream media rather than a tool that you can use for its core uh, tenants, its core elements, like um, what it actually, what, what its strengths are in, in, in fact. So the common misconception is um, YouTube equals to video. And the next thing is, of course, it takes a while to allow them and, of course, guide them in understanding, oh, okay, this is the value of how I can use this in my business where I'm currently at. And, of course, every business is very different, which is why, you know, you can't have a one-size-fits-all, go to Walmart and pick something off the shelf kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're running like an e-commerce kind of business where you have a low-cost, low-price product, that doesn't need a lot of believability. It doesn't need a lot of persuasion for someone to buy because it's a, it's a very small investment for their buying decision. Like say, for example, it's $5. Um, you, you don't really need a very uh, advanced knowledge of videos to be able to communicate that kind of experience that will compel them to buy. But say, for example, if you are selling an intangible product, you're trying to sell insurance, for example, Something in the future they can't imagine. Um, say even I had a prospect who was doing a patent for uh, one of the motorbike parts. Um, mm. He wanted to use images for the motorbike part. And I asked him, like, how would the image, a, a static image, communicate how much easier it would be like for a bike rider using your solution when they're riding on the road for long periods of time? You know, how would a single image communicate that? Because even you just telling me verbally, I can't quite imagine what your, what your product is because it's so sophisticated. Um, he's gotten to a point where he's so deep in the technical details that he can't bridge the gap with someone who doesn't understand his product at all and he's knowing it for the first time. So those are some of the common things that I observe between people. And this is where, you know, you, if you start to think about, oh, I could create a video that you know allows someone to put themselves and draws them in 
into the perspective of a bike rider, I see exactly mm. how the seat looks like. I see how I sit in it. I see how um, more, much more effortless I can be when I'm riding because of your solution. Then it's, mm. uh, it, it bridges the gap a lot better. So those are some mm. of the things that uh, I have to walk them through. So, so typically, what sort of clients are you working with? Um, typically, I'm a big fan of personal brands because um, mm-hmm. personal brands, um, a lot of times people work with you as a person. So um, story, their personal story, um, their personal brand is very important. So uh, they need a lot more um, help and tools that they can keep in their tool belt to use for that purpose. Um, I also work with a lot of uh, businesses that have a higher price or higher valued product or service because it's a lot more difficult to convince a customer or a prospect to purchase from you. So mm-hmm. I work with those people a lot more. Um, those who include, you know, for example, your consulting companies, um, your software IT companies um, that sell like a, you know, some form of like CRM solution, for example. Um, work with like uh, real estate as well, but it's a lot easier because real estate, um, you, you, you have a physical home that you can show. Um, it's a lot more mm. of the features of the place. Um, and every buyer is different. So they would see different benefits for that video. So there, mm. there are a lot of different things there. But primarily, it's really, um, is that it's a video-based solution combined with some form of marketing strategy behind it going to contribute to the business model of the business. So one of the main problems, if you think about videos as YouTube or advertisements or uh, branding, is that it doesn't add to your bottom line. Um, mm. Because you, you can have branding, but it doesn't bring in the cash flow or the marketing. So uh, I like to marry the two, which is, you know, of course, there's no guarantee that, you know, you're going to increase your bottom line. But how does this fit into your business process and model in such a way that you can see how, okay, as an executive, this makes a, a, you know, a sound decision that I can use to further optimize my system or process. So that's mm-hmm. the way I think about it. And I, mean, you've got, I know you've got a few stories that, you know, to illustrate some of the things you do. So let's talk about the, um, the, the world's first oil paintographer you were mentioning. Yeah. Oh, so the world's first oil paintographer, um, he's, a, he's a client of mine. Uh, his name is Charlie. And uh, what he, he does is he spent, uh, I think, close to about 40 years or even half his life. I mean, he's, he's pretty old right now in, uh, you know, uh, as a, as a photographer. And he, he spent the, the year, the bulk of his life, um, learning about photography, art, and design. So these are the three main tenets of his area. Um, you know, won international awards, like, it's such a long list that, uh, I can't remember everything of the cards. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's been like, asked to, you know, open up schools in like, uh, in the Middle East, as well as, you know, China, India, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he used to be uh, based in the States as well, um, where where he first came up with that invention. Essentially, what he does is he merges um, oil paintings with photography. So an oil painting, the problem with it is it takes forever to create a produce a painting um, mm-hmm. to see the end result. And so, you know, when you want to purchase an oil painting for yourself or your family, there is a problem there because of the time. So he managed to combine this, this art form where he would sit someone in the dark and you would paint them with a torchlight instead of an oil paintbrush. And 
he can do a live demonstration of it and in less than 30 seconds you would see an exact oil painting image that appears in the camera um, from him painting you with a torchlight which is just incredible so um, that kind of experience I experienced it live when I sat with him and worked with him but uh, his, uh, his online uh, the way he was communicating it online or even in person didn't quite explain that level of experience what it's like mm. to get into a dark room almost like you know the old school days of um, producing a photograph you know you sit in a dark room right um, and then you know just sitting seated in a simple chair he sets up everything and then he just holds a torchlight and then you see you see him just like brushing your face right and then instantly at the end of it he just points towards the camera that has always been there on a tripod since the beginning and on the screen it just appears an exact oil painting of yourself but in the mm. camera and then what you can do is later on you can print it or print it out to use keep it digitally or you could um, have him to paint the oil painting later on so you get to see the end mm. result before you even buy the thing um, and mm. that kind of experience is something so unique so bizarre that um people don't quite understand. But he's mm. very good at being able to communicate that experience on stage, live, in front mm. of thousands. So yeah. um, what makes up that kind of experience, right? The kind of experience that makes it so special is really because it's real time. There's no gimmick about it. Uh, it's not photoshopped or anything. It's pure mm. craftsmanship from his mm. technique of using uh, un his understanding of light and how it bends and how mm. it's captured on a camera. So... Um, being able to communicate that kind of craft especially you know with craftsmen of all sorts of types you know you have those luxury watches right like Patek Philippe or whatever um, when, I, when I watch those craftsmen the way they work it takes years of skill to be able to do it just like how a sushi master takes years before when they apprentice before they finally graduate as the master chief chef you know um, but people you know me as an outsider looking in we don't quite be uh understand and appreciate the the uh the value in and the time that it takes for craftsmen like them so mm -hmm. that was one of the ways that uh i've managed to help him to improve the experience um and mm -hmm. then he was able to use that video uh, that we made for him um share it around he didn't really do much with it but uh there were people from like people from the prime minister's office in jakarta indonesia who called him up mm -hmm to ask him about it uh, because the guy was an art lover. Uh, there was a, a couple of people from the States as well who even called him up. Um, mm. In Singapore, there was like uh, one of the ministers of state that also called him up as a result of that. So mm. really it's like, hey, if your business is really doing well, how can we reach out to more people and be able to have a better experience for them? So they remember mm. you and they share it around with their peers or friends. So that was the story of the uh, oil paintographer. So if for people who are trying to imagine what it is that you're describing, is there any way they can see see the video that you mentioned or is it online anyway? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's on my website as well, actually. Um, it's, it would be the very first video you see if you go to um, tapeyourtime.com, www.tapeyourtime.com. Uh, and that's tape, T-A-P-E. T-A-P-E, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's a pun on the word taking your time but uh, mm. <laughs> yeah so yeah. Um, if you click the big play button there you'll be able to see it 
um, and then understand you know the years of hard work that he has put in um, and uh, one of the big reasons why the video works is because he was tearing up at the end he was nearly tearing up at the end um, because it represents his life work and he wanted to find a way to pass it on um, because he didn't want it to die at his hands literally um, and not have his craft passed on so that was really um, one of the emotional touching moments of the video that I think that if anybody who's listening to this if you're running a business, uh, if it's a product, you know, how has someone used that product and impacted their lives in some very special memorable ways? You know, it could be however small, however insignificant, but to that person, it means the world to them. Uh, find a way to best be able to feature that. So in terms of tactical advice, it would be as simple as, because like I said, it's easy to film a video on your mobile phone, right? So if mm. that customer truly loves you and, you know, texts you and say, hey, you know, you changed my life, you impacted me, it's as simple as instead of asking them, um, hey, and, and settling with just a text message, you could just take opportunity, seize the moment uh, when the iron is hot and just text them and say, hey, would you mind just explaining what you've just written to me and record, you know, a quick 30-second video back to me? Um mm. And um, that kind of experience can't be replicated um, mm-hmm. because people are very skeptical and cynical online. Um, you could manufacture or fabricate a testimonial or an experience, mm-hmm. but when people see it for themselves and you don't say anything mm-hmm. else, it's just like, hey, see this and uh, come to your own interpretations or conclusions about it, um, it's much better because people change. Mm-hmm. Um, that experience goes away but when you capture it it stays there forever and then it becomes a tool that you can use in your business so um, and especially if it's a service as well so uh, I think oftentimes mm-hmm. when uh, when we have the whole business process running there are many small moments in time where uh, a business touches and impacts someone's life a customer a team member whoever they may be even it may not be a customer it may be someone who uh, just visits or touches the place you know interacts with you mm. um try your best to capture that because you uh, you you don't have a second chance to do it and mm. uh, it makes your business special it makes it stand out so uh, it makes it sticky um, and that forms your taste over time and, and you, you touched upon something a few minutes ago you mentioned about um you know businesses who are offering something that's intangible and I would think that for most businesses that do have an intangible service, I think where they really do get stuck is how are we able to convey what it is we do to our customers in a way that people can see the value. And so when if someone contacts you and they want a video and they, they are offering an intangible service, is it how easy or difficult is it for you to, to maybe help them uh, create some kind of a video that really does show the value of what they do. Yeah, so the first the first thing that I usually walk them through is uh, what's the purpose and objective of the video, right? So we go very, uh, back to the, the fundamentals and the beginnings and the basics. Um, so there are, essentially, there are essentially several purposes to videos. Um, and uh, one of the mistakes, common mistakes that I can say offhand that people make with it is they try to do too many things at one time in a single video. Um, mm. So a, a few of those ways that I can remember, are uh, first of all, the video is to inform. 
So it's purely for information sake. So, you know, if you look at your news broadcast, right, those are videos that are meant to inform. And then you have videos that are educational. So these are videos that are on YouTube, you know, how-tos, things like that, right? Mm. You have videos that are meant to storytell and brand. Mm. Um, these are videos that are meant to create an emotional response in them, nothing more, mm. and um, to grab their attention. So you're not asking for any kind of commitment. You're not asking for anything else. You're just saying, hey, um, this is attention-grabbing and worth your time watching. Stay to the end. Um, and then mm. it compels them to want to do something. So mm. you use some other video or some other thing like on the website, a button or, you know, um, someone from your team to call them or take action. So mm. um, try not to confuse a couple of those. You, you also have mm. videos that are um, meant to sell. So these are your mm. like sales videos, right? So um, because a lot of times you have videos that are disguised as sales features. Uh, sorry, sales features that are disguised as... Um, videos that are meant to educate them. Mm. So uh, that can come across in the wrong way and rub a few shoulders. So um, it's a lot clearer to separate the few purposes out into every single video. So that's in, in terms of how I think about videos. In terms of you mm. know selling an intangible um, and understanding how to break down their process and service, um, I like to think of it in three ways, which are the core three, uh, what we call like the nervous systems of every business whether your product or service, how big and small your size is, is three things, mm. um, time, money, and relationships. So it's mm. these three things. So if you're selling an intangible service like insurance, right, um, you need to ask yourself like in the, in the point of view of the, the buying customer, your, your target customer, um, mm. what is the investment that they need in time, money, and relationships? And also what's the benefit and value of it to them in these three things? Um, once you get clear on those three things, then you start to really dive deep into, in simple terms. Um, so if you can explain an intangible product in simple terms to a five-year-old kid, um, mm -hmm. then you can make a very convincing video, even if you don't have any background. Um, mm -hmm. You can make an, a convincing pitch or narrative because uh, the simpler it is, the clearer it is, and the more people can understand it. So in simple terms, what insurance does is it prevents you from um, suffering the consequences that are too big for you to handle later on, right? So um, you're, you're actually buying risk. Um, so in terms of like what are the emotional needs that uh, people get from buying insurance, they get security, they get a sense of safety, um, they get reassurance, you know, stuff like this. Um, so they're not so much buying that piece of policy paper with a ton of words or the numerical mm. financial savings that they get. What does this financial savings represent for them? Um, so I had a previous uh, podcast guest that uh, she walks through this process of the five whys. She calls it the five letters. Um, she uses it for you know understanding your passion or your purpose and stuff like that. But you can apply mm. it to in terms of the service or product that you're trying to sell as well. So mm. if you ask like, okay, I'm selling insurance. Why do they buy? You get to one answer. Mm. You ask deeper questions. So why do they actually buy? And then why, why, why? Mm. And then once you get to the heart and root of it, then you find the purpose of what you're trying to convey. From there, mm. you can um, hire a creative. You can hire someone or you can think on your own if you are more of a creative individual. You know, what kind of stories or what kind of um, narratives do I want to create around that purpose mm. to be able to communicate that purpose? 
So mm. a lot of the work is done in the front end of getting the purpose right and clear first. Mm. Um, and then the creative ideas will come mm. easily um, because it's clear. So, um, mm. but the mistake that most people make is they start off with the creative ideas and then mm. the, the, the video or whatever they're trying to create is not purposeful. So that's how I would right. think about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, there was another story you, you mentioned about the Croatian wedding photographer. Yeah. So um, I, was, uh, I was traveling in Europe last year, mid last year. Um, and uh, essentially, I, I started out in Germany. Um, for, uh, I, w- I was there to film uh, like a, a skateboarding competition in Germany mm-hmm. uh, that was actually competing by Red Bull. I didn't know that at the time. Um, and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, I took the rest of the period of time for just my own personal travel alone. Um, so I traveled down south to Croatia and I was in the capital of Zagreb. And what happened was, um, I was there and this is the first time that I start, I'm seeing a Slavic wedding, you know, uh, rather a Baltic wedding. Um, so the way that they do it is like football in, in London, right? They, they like smoke flares, they party, they, um, they have all sorts of, uh, fun fairs. And they were, they were having red smoke flares that they light in the capital. Uh, there was no police around, nothing. Uh, it's like a normal thing for them there. And, uh, the bride and groom were dressed in white. So everybody was dressed in white and you have red smoke around. So there was tinting their dresses and stuff. Like they didn't care. Um, so I found it interesting. I was taking some photos and what happened was as they walked by me, um, the best man, the, the best man of the, the, the groom, uh, he just grabbed my arm and he pulled me along. He just said, come, come, come along. Uh, you're our new guest now. So I, I was shocked, right? Because I was alone and uh, me being Asian, there um, around Europeans, it was bizarre for people to see me in a wedding. Um, so that already highlighted a very different experience. So the takeaway from that would be, you want to you know, throw someone off what they typically or conventionally would think is the experience and then paint it in a positive light. Mm. So someone could interpret that experience as completely bizarre, like why is this person being so weird? Uh, but I took mm. it in the, in the form of, oh, hey, you know, this is an opportunity for me to be a part of a wedding that I wouldn't otherwise be a part of. So mm. I got invited into that wedding. So he touched me on the first hand um, as, the, as the best man for the wedding. The next thing that mm-hmm. happened was, you know, the photographer of the wedding, uh, he's a Croatian local photographer, he started to uh, teach me some Croatian words, you know, like Fala, mm-hmm. Dobrogenia, like Kakositanas, and, and, and started to teach me the wedding songs in Croatian. Um, mm-hmm. And then that allowed me to fit in better with the group. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually more and more people saw that I could speak Croatian or um, at least sounded correct and was enjoying myself. Um, and then they started to welcome me into the group, right? So it became like almost like a tribe, um, mm. which is a concept that I love a lot. Um, it's mm. not just customers, but a tribe of people that support you, that inspire you, that want to learn from you, that would follow you, right? Um, and then you're a leader of a movement rather than just being a business that's offering a product or service. So to tie this mm. back, um, the whole narrative after that was that uh, essentially, you know, uh, I got invited to their wedding, wedding banquet and then uh, mm-hmm. they became sort of like my semi-god family, so, which, is, uh, mm-hmm. which is really bizarre. And uh, that opened up a door of uh, business opportunities in Croatia, like all the way in Croatia when I'm in Singapore. 
mm. with with the with the wedding stuff that is going on over there as a result of just this experience. So um, to tie this back into something that would value the listeners um, as a recipient of an experience that I would remember for the rest of my life, um, mm. it would be that um, there is this thing called um, talk triggers. There is a book called Talk mm. Triggers. I forgot who the author is. Um, it's Jay Bears. He, he, he actually, I interviewed him on his podcast. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, you know, he talks about like how uh, you want to map out your, your whole process of business, right? And then to find the mm. most boring parts and just flip it on his head. Um, so, mm. it was kind of what happened with that experience because I was not expecting uh, witnessing a wedding as an outsider to be mm. an experience like that. I was really mm-hmm. not, exp- not not expecting that at all. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, nowadays, when I meet other Croatians and I show them that footage of uh, me enjoying myself with them, um, suddenly, you know, they, they become much warmer to me, um, mm-hmm. even though I'm an outsider, uh, because they would mm-hmm. never imagine in their lives that a Croatian would do this and welcome an outsider like that into their wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's, uh, it's, it's almost like breaking norms if you can um, and, and challenging what people normally assume as a, a conventional thing. And, and so is, um, I'm, I'm presuming, had you done a wedding before that? Um, yeah, I, um, a couple of weddings in, in Singapore. Um, I used to do it uh, back a couple of years back where as a freelancer, right? Uh, but of course, I didn't quite enjoy it because it's, it's very taxing, it's uh, stressful as a, as a freelancer because, you know, people's memories are at stake. Um, but if, if I were to set up a wedding again like that um, and try to replicate an experience like what I had in Croatia, um, I would, uh, you know how weddings like the bride and groom would have certain activities that would do? Um, mm-hmm. I would switch it up. You know, if the culture allows for it, if, you know, the, the relatives or the family is, uh, is cool with it and stuff and, uh, you know, give them a surprise that they wouldn't expect. So it's just like mm. how in the, in the talk triggers book, or uh, I'm not sure if it's in the book. Um, the, the, the thing about, you know, Hilton and, uh, their, their cookies, right. That they give to the guests, um, mm. that became a talking point. You know, it's something that is unexpected because, uh, normally they wouldn't do it. So, mm. um, if you could find a way to do that, and allow people to have an experience that's memorable and then mm. invite them to go and take action by sharing it around, then mm. um, I think that you have a very good chance of, um, of uh, making sure that you have a better experience for them that's memorable. And so as a, so in the weddings that you've done, in using video, how have you been able to do that? Um, no, I've, I've not done much wedding uh, videos actually. Um, so, okay. so back then when I was doing weddings, it was just photos. Um, right. yeah, but, um, if, if I, I do have friends who, you know, are based in the States or around the world who are currently also doing wedding videos, um, mm-hmm. the main important thing is to capture the intimacy between the, the bride and the groom, because that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, like how often, you know, marriages and divorce rates are going up, right? The passion dies mm-hmm. in relationship. Um, mm-hmm. oftentimes because people stop being appreciative of one another, uh, they stop mm. spending the time to listen to their partner or, you know, showing and expressing their care and concern. And a lot mm. of times it's because of life gets in the way or, you know, shame or your ego or certain insecurities act up. And if you have a, a wedding video that 
encapsulates the essence of what it felt like when they first started the relationship or, you know, where they, they tied the knot. Um, it can mm. serve as a very useful and powerful reminder to rekindle some passion in the relationship later on. So um, that's something that I would think that is uh, something that would be preserved forever that would be special to uh, the bride and the groom for the wedding videos. Yeah. A few minutes ago, were you um, well near the start of the um, the recording? You were talking about YouTube and the way people think of video and YouTube. Um, I mean, what do you think are the frequently misunderstood issues by the customers you work with? Um, they they think they have to post all the time um, because on YouTube you normally follow creators, right? You follow mm-hmm. uh, people who post pretty frequently and regularly, um, and they mm-hmm. do what is called maintenance videos. So uh, mm-hmm. videos that are there to keep uh, the existing subscribers engaged. Now, it depends on what context and uh, trajectory and approach of business you take as well and where you're at. If you have a team to do maintenance videos for you, then that's great, right? Um, but that wouldn't be the first thing that I start off with. Um, so it will be too, too soon of jumping the gun because maintenance videos are more advanced. Um, and and uh, the common mis- misunderstanding is that you have to create maintenance videos uh, for for your business to survive and thrive. Uh, it's it's going to get you more subscribers, yes. It's going to get you more followers and more likes, but it doesn't really help you to grow your business, not at the initial stage. So you need to have videos that uh, fundamentally improves the relationship you have with your customers. Maintenance videos doesn't really do that um, as directly as something else would um, say, for example, uh, a video that encapsulates why you do what you do. You know, what's the essence of what you do? Um, it, something else, even a sales video that just explains your pitch and what benefits you can bring from your solution and what you can offer to your customers, right? Um, maintenance videos are really there to maintain a YouTube channel or social channel. So that's the common misperception that uh, I get most frequently all the time. So you, if you're listening to this and you don't already have an advanced, um, you know, video strategy or video solution out there that you're already implementing, then don't think about maintenance videos yet. And don't think about YouTube yet. Start with the basics, um, which is your story. I know you're, there's, a, there's a book that you particularly like, isn't there? Yeah, so there's a, there's a book that I like called uh, Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And uh, this is Cialdini's most recent, what is it, recent tome. And, you know, it's the sequel to his previous book called Influence. Um, in my opinion, I think it's just as good and even more important than Influence. Um, and the biggest takeaway I got from the book is, you know, the best time to work on any relationship is before you have one. And uh, I, I borrowed this quote from a mentor of mine as well. But it's applied to your personal life, right? And relationships. But what you do in anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. So um, the same principle can be applied in business if you are trying to maintain a relationship with your customer. Because we can get carried away with numbers and metrics. They're just another figure, another person I have to call on my list, my calling list, you know. Um, another person I have to uh, close a sale from. And sometimes we forget that they are people. So, um, so, so the best time to work on that is before you even have them as a customer. 
So, mm. um, so that's, that's really uh, a, a very good book because it also explains, you know, some of the research and studies and also a lot of uh, very valuable insights on how people are pre-framed and primed on something mm. before they walk in. So if you look at, if you go to uh, Hermes store or if you go to, you know, a, a Lamborghini dealership or something, uh, you would notice that, you know, or just for example, you know, if you're flying an airplane, the first class service and going into the first class lounge is, or even a, you know, a private jet lounge is going to be very, very different from an economy class one or mm. uh, a budget one, right? So, mm. and a lot of times the seat isn't really that much better to justify the price or the, mm. the perceived value of that experience or the ticket. But it's because of all these things they do beforehand that they set it up. So they prime you to enjoy yourselves. And a lot of times I think that the experience comes from our perception of what that thing we're going to get is. Um, and we can do a lot in terms of priming them, getting them ready, anticipating that thing. And of course, then on the flip side, you got to manage those expectations and know exactly what you're setting up, uh, people up to as well because you don't want it to lead to disappointment where you can't fulfill or uh, and deliver and under-deliver. So that is, of course, a balance. Well, and on that, what, what does the phrase exceeding expectations, what does it mean to you? Doing just one thing better than what everyone else would do. Um, it would mean going a step further than what anyone else would do. And what I mean by a step, it doesn't have to be a very big step. It could be a small step. But just the fact that you do it a little bit better or a little bit more than everybody else um, would also, of course, differentiate yourself. In terms of exceeding expectations of myself or yourself, um, how can you, on a, on a more personal note, uh, personal development note, how can you exceed your own expectations of yourself of what you think is possible? Um, there were a lot of times in my life where I didn't think that I would be doing what I would do today. I didn't think that I would be speaking on a podcast today. Uh, it didn't occur to me five years ago that I would be doing it. Um, it didn't occur to me that I would have the opportunity to interact and meet with these different businesses and really understand an inside look on what they do, how they impact people's lives, right? Um, and a lot of times it comes from peers. It comes from people who have walked into my life who challenge my perspective or expectations of myself. So sometimes, you know, we often forget, we try to work on a business too much and we forget that we are also the core drivers of the business. So if we don't grow, the business doesn't grow. So, and also, of course, as the business grows, we have to grow along with it. So um, we, we always have to remember that. And how can we constantly elevate our thinking? Because I, I think that, you know, uh, people who are more successful than other people, um, there's not much difference between them beyond their thinking. There's really not much difference. And also the identity, what they associate themselves with, what they expect on themselves. Um, and, and so I think that exceeding the expectation would, um, would, would be good. Um, there's also a word of caution though, which is that if you're an achiever like myself, you can be very hard on yourself as well. So you may put yourself an expectation that you cannot ever fulfill. It's an unrealistic mm. expectation to expect of any human being to be perfect all the time or to not make mistakes mm. or um, 
you know, to, to try to control everything. So exceeding the expectation can also mean removing it and not having the expectation at all. So, um, it's going a little bit into the like philosophical, uh, my philosophical perspective on the term, the, the quote. So, um, yeah, hope that helps. And if people want to find out more about you, Joe, where, I mean, you mentioned about your website before. Um, well, if you repeat your website again and, and how, what would be the best ways for them to find out more about what you do? Yeah, sure. So my website is www.tapeyourtime.com. So T-A-P-E-Y-O-U-R-T-I-M-E.com. Mm-hmm. So tape your time. And on the website, you know, you can uh, speak to me further. You know, you can, you can uh, fill up a form, apply to if you, if you think you need some help or you just need some clarity on um, how you think that, um, you know, you can use a video to help you to grow your business. And of course, you know, on, on, uh, on another site, which is called video that sell.com, video that sell, um, I have a PDF guide of eight different ways you can use videos. So some of the things I mentioned previously in the episode um, are actually in that guide. Um, and you can use that guide along with what I just explained um, to get a clearer idea of the context behind why I write the things I write inside. And it comes along mm-hmm. with a, a whole series of video masterclasses as well. You know, that goes into uh, some of the strategies, the five essential videos. You know, remember I talked about how uh, you need to start off with the basic videos first before you go to the advanced ones. So inside the guide and the masterclasses, I run you through like the five core ones that uh, every business needs, um, stuff like that. Um, the experience and the story and the interpretation, those are also part of the masterclass. So um, if you want that, then you can uh, head over to that website, video.sell.com to get it. And last but not least, um, I also created a new Facebook and LinkedIn group um, mm-hmm. that uh, will be uh, in the show notes as well, um, where you can interact with me more directly. And also, of course, you know, some of the other uh, cool peers around and people that I've interacted with so that, you know, you can, uh, you can get some more value from them, connect with them, network with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of my other guests for, from, my, from my podcast as well. Well, and, and just mention what is your podcast? My podcast is called the Entrepreneurs Tribe Podcast. So, if, if you search Entrepreneurs Tribe Podcast, you should be able to find it on the all ten of the podcast platforms. Okay, and just before we finish, uh, Joe, we'll say I know you, you've got a quotation that you quite like. Yeah, um, it's it's a quotation that is a it's a newfound love for this quotation um so one of the other podcasts if you're not a fan of reading books right uh one of the other podcasts that uh was a was a gem mine that i found is it's called the bruce lee podcast so the quote is don't think feel by bruce lee and um i first heard of this quote from the bruce lee podcast um it's a podcast that is run by his daughter shannon lee and also her best friend and it's a very different kind of podcast because it's really just the two of them having a conversation as best friends. Um, and they run through, you know, some of their father's writings and stuff, um, that are, that you can't find publicly online. So, uh, one of these is don't think and feel and how he applies to customer service, how he applies to expectations and experience is that, you know, when Bruce Lee says don't think, he means get out of your head. So when he says feel, he really means you want to really feel into the situation and sense what's happening there. 
So for example, in martial arts, when you're kicking, you're kicking a person who is present. You're not trying to perform the perfect kick that you have practiced. So this is uh, something that he said when he was instructing his student to not think, but feel. So what I noticed is that oftentimes in, in service, um, when we're interacting with people, we are not fully present in the situation because we're trying to categorize, we're trying to plan, calculate, what should I say? What should I say next? You know, what's this person trying to, uh, trying to do? You know, stuff like that. And we get in our head sometimes too often. So we mentally check out and then we don't, uh, and, and we, we stop thinking and getting in our heads. We turn our body into a sensing organism. And this segues, um, I'm just going to briefly mention uh, into neuroscience and a bit of psychology as well of the unconscious brain. So um, we have our prefrontal cortex that is our conscious brain that you know we can control is it performs all our speaking functions stuff like that but you know like how does our heart continue to beat how does our digestive system continue to function uh these are all controlled by the unconscious which takes up you know the majority of the brain and uh it's many times smarter faster than um, the the prefrontal cortex so when we tap into our emotions of how we feel um it's interesting because our unconscious doesn't have a verbal function to it it doesn't have a verbal function. So how it communicates to us what it thinks or feels is through senses, is through uh, our emotions. You know, do we feel goosebumps on our, on our hands when we sense that something is not right? When we talk about we have a gut feeling that something is not right or we have a gut feeling that, you know, something good is about to happen. It's oftentimes our unconscious part of our brains that's doing all the calculations and telling us, hey, I think this is a good idea. So uh, we should learn to, uh, you know, trust that instinct more. Um, and it comes from the Descartes era, right? Um, in the Enlightenment period where we cut our head off from our, the rest of our bodies and we lose touch with our feelings or emotions. We become these like thinking robots. Um, and and that, that may work, but there's only a limit to your willpower. There's only a limit to, you know, how far you can think rationally before you lose it <laughs> so uh, to be able to train the other parts so that you're always constantly embodied where we feel and experience instead of just simply thinking then you know we start to have a better understanding and idea of what an experience is mm, well love it that's a, that's a fantastic quote well Joel it's been it's been a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for sharing your, your time and your, and your knowledge as well thank you very much for inviting me on the show Next week is episode 74 with Susan Bowles and she helps companies where they have issues such as lost invoices, overdue payments, clients slipping through the cracks. All these things tend to happen as businesses are getting bigger and the growth is getting more and more and small things start to, to get quite big. So she has a company called Scale Spark and she uh, gives some quite interesting stories. That's next week with Susan Bowles. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone who would get some benefit from it. And why not subscribe and leave a review for us and have 